Welcome to the Daily Disciples Podcast with Tony Lee Adamson. Real and raw conversations dealing with life and spirituality. God so loved the world, but do we realize that he still does? God uses people's stories to encourage and enlighten us to continue growing, learning, and living with hope. Here, you will find the love of God speaking to you through the stories of others. Thank you for joining us today. Hello and welcome to Daily Disciples Podcast with Tony Lee Adamson. We are continuing our Monday night study on women of the Bible. And tonight we are talking about Hagar. So if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Genesis 16. And I've already prayed with the group online. So we're going to get started reading Genesis 16. Sarah, Abraham's wife, had bore him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. By the time we hit to Genesis 16, we know that in Genesis 12, Abram and Sarai were told to leave their homeland, their family, their relatives, everything they know, and to travel. As they're going, it is many, many miles away. I think it's 700 miles away from the land of Ur. And they are taking their camels, their donkeys. Abram also took his nephew Lot. The reason why Abram was asked to leave was because God gave him a promise. And the promise was, I will give you land I will give you nations of children. I will give you prosperity. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And all this blessing and promise comes as a result of Abraham's faith to listen and obey. So he does leave at age 75. And now we're at age 85. And Sarah is saying, I'm not having any children. And I'm now 75. I'm an old woman. So maybe God is promising you children, but not me children. So she comes up with this great idea, she thinks, Sarah, Sarai, to give Abram her Egyptian servant, whose name is Hagar. How did Abram and Sarah Sarai get an Egyptian servant? Most likely from chapter 12, verse 10. As they were traveling, there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and for her sake he dealt well with Abram. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, 
female servants, female donkeys and camels. So you see that female servant part? That's Hagar. She's in that group. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I would take her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So Pharaoh did not take away all the gifts that he gave to Abram. If anything, Abram was more blessed with all these gifts because he went to Egypt because God even blessed Abram as a result of lying to Pharaoh, which is just amazing to us. But it's because of this abundance in things that Abram and his nephew Lot had to separate. They had too much stuff between them. They couldn't handle the land together. So Lot went towards Sodom and Gomorrah and Abram went a different direction. And it was at that time that God also promised Abram the covenant again. And then by chapter 15, God says to Abram, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your reward shall be very great. And we talked about this last week when we talked about Sarah, that Abram said, how can my reward be great when one of my servants, Eliezer, is going to become the ruler and the leader of everything I have because I don't have a child. And God then gave a covenant to Abram. God sent a torch that went through the covenant of Abram's animals that he cut in half and God said, I'm establishing this covenant that you will be greatly blessed with many children because God promised it, not because Abram did anything. Abram fell asleep during the time that God was sealing the deal in the covenant. So that was in chapter 15. But also in chapter 15, as the sun was going down, he said, I give you this land from the river of Egypt to the river of Euphrates. When God gives us promises today, God is the one who keeps them. We can make different choices that interfere with God's promise, and it might even delay God's promise, but it will not revoke God's promise. So as we hit chapter 16 with Sarai now saying in verse 2 to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. This was a common practice at the time. It wasn't like if the woman of the tents, because that's what they were living in at the time, if the main woman couldn't have children, she would give her servant and then have the child through that servant. The problem with this was when Abram slept with Hagar, Hagar then got angry at Sarah with an attitude of, this child's not going to be your baby, this child is mine. So that's verse 3. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, 
her husband as a wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. And Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do with her as you please. And then Sarai dealt harshly with Hagar, and she fled from her. So Abraham must be really confused at this point because he's saying, Wait a minute, Sarai. This was your idea. This was your plan to give your maidservant to me to sleep with so that you can have a child through her. But now that it backfired on you and she really did get pregnant, you're angry with me? We all do that, right? We're women and we all do things like that. So Abram did give Sarah the permission to do, do with her what you want. Because at that point, a female servant really was considered a slave. And I looked at the definition of a slave and a slave is a person who's forced to work and obey another. A slave is considered to be property. Abram isn't considering the personality of the Egyptian maidservant or slave. He slave. He's just saying to Sarai, do what you need to do with her. She's your property. And we all know today we don't agree with slavery. There is not slavery in America that we know of. I looked up also who would be considered a slave in the United States the most today. And the answer from Google came back, sex trafficking. Hagar really is called to obey Sarai and she does not want to give this child to Sarai. So as Sarai starts treating her harshly, we find that Hagar runs away. So verse seven, the angel of the Lord found her, the her is Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I think that's so amazing because firstly, it says the angel of the Lord. And there's a term called first mentions. First mentions means the first time it's mentioned in the Bible, but continues to play itself out throughout the Bible. And this is the first time that the angel of the Lord is mentioned in the Bible. And the angel of the Lord is not an angel because in Revelation and even with Ezekiel and Daniel too, when angels showed up to men and the men... Daniel, John, would throw themselves down to worship the angel. The angel would say, do not worship me. I am just a created being like you are. We only worship God. But in this case, the angel of the Lord is the second person of the Trinity. It is Jesus, but not with a fleshly body. So Jesus first mentioned is with a woman, Hagar, a woman who is not a Jew, a woman who is a slave, and a woman who feels completely lost. 
We have to also remember that in the Old Testament, and even to this day, really, the rabbis would wake up and in their prayers, they would say to God, thank you that you did not make me a Gentile, a dog, or a woman. That's how they felt about women in those times. Jesus, in the presence as an angel of the Lord, shows up to a woman who is lost and desperate and really doesn't have any notoriety or any real presence, even in the household of um, Abraham and Sarai. So Jesus addresses her as the servant of Sarai. So he does know where she's come from, and it already says that she was heading to Shur, so he does know where she's going. But it's God's way of asking those questions. We hear the Lord ask us questions too. Questions that clarify our thoughts, clarify our purpose, clarify what we're trying to do and even how we can pray. So when the angel says, where have you come from and where are you going? She says, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. So the only thing that she can say is, I don't have a plan. I just need to get away. That's what she's saying. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. That's the same thing God kept saying to Abram, right? You're going to have so many children, you're not even going to be able to count them. Well, now Hagar is hearing the same promise. Hagar is hearing the same thing. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. Well, we know that Ishmael was the start of the Arab nation. God is literally telling the mother he is going to be a tough one because he is going to have a personality that causes conflict. He's going to be like a wild donkey. We still see character traits of this as they play out in our lives today. But she didn't see that as a bad thing, especially since the Lord said, you're going to call him Ishmael because I heard your prayers, Hagar. I've seen you. I've listened to your affliction. Verse 13. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing or the one who has seen me. Isn't that beautiful? That a woman who is so distressed and lost and didn't have anywhere to go and didn't know what to do and was pregnant with her master's child, she's saying, but God, you see me. Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. So Hagar knows that she now has had an experience with God like Abram has had an experience with God. Therefore the well was called Ber Laharoi, and it lies between Kadish and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Clearly, when Hagar went back, she told everyone the story of how she met the angel of the Lord 
and how the angel of the Lord told her she would have a son. She told them that he would be a multitude of nations, just like Abram was told that. So Sarai and Abram at this point did believe that Ishmael was the promised son. Because it took 13 years before the Lord appeared to Abram in chapter 17 and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. And at this point, God says to Abram, I'm changing your name to Abraham. I'm changing your wife's name from Sarai, which means sharp tongue, that she can use her words sharply and quickly, which we have seen the fruit of that as she treated both her husband and her maidservant harshly. And he said, and her name will change to Sarah, which means princes of nations. Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of multitudes of nations. No longer shall you be called Abram, but your name shall become Abraham, for I've made you a father of a multitude of nations. And again, God says you will be exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And at this point, Abraham laughs and says, can it not just be Ishmael? Are you serious? This baby's going to come from Sarah? Abraham is 99 years old and Sarah is 89 years old. God did prophesy when Abram was living in his father's land that he needed to leave because he prophesied a promise to Abraham because he had such faith. Both Abram and Sarah lost the vision of just trusting in God. And what they did instead was they became proactive in an earthly realm and basically said, our bodies and our relationship is like good as dead. Have this young Egyptian girl. Now God did bless her. Because he promised Abram, I would bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. So she mm -hmm. was blessed. But that didn't mean that his delay did not mean a denial in the promise. It just meant it took more time. That's all. Mm -hmm. And did their faith waver? Yes, it did waver. Even Abraham listened to his wife. And he did have relations with Hagar and she got pregnant. When Abraham is saying in this, oh, if Ishmael could just be the person, God says, no, 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 it's never been that way. Hagar was introduced to God through the angel of the Lord when she was running away from Sarai. Sarai is the only one who didn't hear directly from the Lord. She didn't hear directly from the Lord. She constantly heard the conversation from God and Abram, and then Abram would come and tell Sarah. It's the same thing as Adam and Eve. God told Adam and then Adam told Eve. Eve didn't hear it directly from God. So she got deceived and Adam and Eve sinned. Sarah did not hear it directly from God. She heard it through Abraham. So Abraham and Sarah, their names were Abram and Sarai at the time, they both lost the vision and tried to make it work out themselves in the flesh. 
and they got deceived and Hagar had a child. In this promise covenant in Genesis 17, that's also when God says to Abraham, the sign of the covenant will be circumcision. I do think it's amazing that Abraham does everything so quickly. Like the day God said that, Ishmael, who was 13, was circumcised. And so was Abraham and the men of his household. Verse 24 of chapter 17, Abram was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. And all the men of his house, those born in the house, and those bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. So they were completely set apart through this union, really, of circumcision. All the men would be circumcised, which meant they were part of the promise in Abraham's household. It also means that all these men would also be blessed. God blessed Abraham, and so they were blessed through Abraham by following through with this circumcision. Here this child is born at the end of chapter 16. Chapter 17, he's 13 years old. Chapter 18, now God comes again. And in verse 9, the angels said to Abram, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, She's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And now Sarah heard it. This is the first time Sarah heard that. And what was her response? She laughed. She thought it was the funniest thing. Like, oh my gosh, this is really going to happen. God said, why is she laughing? And then she says, I wasn't laughing. So she gets caught, but she does have a son the next year and it was through that child's birth and dedication Ishmael laughing at Isaac so Abraham and Sarah's son his name is Isaac and Isaac means laughter because Abraham laughed when God said you would have a son at a hundred Sarah laughed and then Sarah said everybody else is gonna laugh too this is just the funniest thing so when Sarah saw Ishmael making fun of Isaac. She said to Abraham, get rid of that child. That would be a very, very hard thing to do. Abraham did not know what to do. So he took this issue to the Lord. Genesis 21, 8. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on that day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw that the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. Sarah didn't appreciate this kind of laughing. Isaac might have been called laughter. But when Ishmael, the older half-brother, is laughing at Isaac, Sarah does not like it. Verse 10. So she said to Abraham, cast out the slave woman and her son. 
For the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. This is the first time that Hagar is now called a slave woman and not a maidservant. So the relationship has clearly changed, which is also such a beautiful thing that God saw Hagar and actually reached out to Hagar and told Hagar it's going to be okay. Like gave Hagar a promise that Hagar could hold on to her whole life. Verse 11, and the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. I mean, this was his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall be your offspring. Now, Abraham listened to his wife the first time, and they had Ishmael. But now that Sarah had the child, God says, listen to your wife and send Ishmael and his mother away. Again, Abraham is obedient. Verse 14, so Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. And then she went and sat opposite him a good way off about a distance of a bow shot and said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. I have a couple of questions in my mind. I would have thought Abraham had a senior moment here that he would only give one skin of water. And we know it's only one skin of water because it says that Abraham put it on her. So that was it. That's all they had. Abraham had to know she was going to run out of water. His son is like 14 years old at this point. They're going to be thirsty going across the desert. So I really do believe that in this process of hearing from the Lord, the Lord told Abraham, give them one skin of water. And that would mean Abraham would have to trust God for his surrogate mother and son to make it across the desert. Also, Hagar has already tried to run away once. Now she knows she's leaving for good. And to only leave with one bag of water What's wrong with you, Abraham? Like, are you having a senior moment of not realizing what a far journey this is? But what it does is it makes Hagar again cry out, and it also gives Hagar again ears to hear. God heard the voice of the boy. It does not say that he heard the voice of Hagar. The angel of God calls to Hagar from heaven and says to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Is that not amazing? God speaks to us in questions. When I'm on my knees really asking the Lord for help, I hear him asking me questions. And if we look at the New Testament and how Jesus addressed the people who persecuted him and even his own disciples, he asked them questions. And when we hear questions like that in our mind, we need to say, Lord, is that you? Or and be honest with how we answer because he wants to hear what we have to say. What troubles you, Hagar? As if God didn't know what troubled her. Of course he knew. 
Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went in and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up and he lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife from him from the land of Egypt. It's funny, the word of God only gives us what God wants us to know. After God said to Hagar, up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand for I will make him into a great nation. Then she saw the water and then the next thing you know, they're in Egypt. Like we don't hear the rest about the journey anymore. It's like it becomes a non-issue because exactly what God promised came to pass. Exactly what God promised is what happened. And as we continue to read this story about Ishmael, he did have 12 sons, just like Jacob had 12 sons. So there were 12 princes who became Arabs, and there were 12 princes who became Jews or Israelites, and they're still fighting to this day. But the one thing I did want to say was in Genesis 25 verse 9, his sons, Abraham's sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried Abraham in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre in the field of Ephron, son of Zorah the Hittite. So in time, both Isaac and Ishmael were united because they together buried their father. We'll see that again with Esau and Jacob, that they also buried their father, Isaac, together. So God does bring family together, but it does tend to be around the death of the parent. It's, it's a place of respect. It's a place of, of honoring, of putting your conflicts aside so that you can come together and honor the person who was living and brought you here to this earth. So I did think it was amazing that Ishmael and Isaac would come together in time. And we're also told that Abraham blessed Ishmael. And Abraham, after Sarah died, had a lot more children. He married a very young woman. So even though the Bible says his and Sarah's body were as good as dead. After Sarah was really dead and died, Abraham found another young wife and had a lot more children. The scriptures also say, though, the only son of all of his kids who received everything was Isaac, like God had said. He gave his other children gifts and blessed them greatly with gifts, but did not leave them the land and all the things that God promised to be sent to Isaac. As we study Hagar, we see that God loves women. We see that it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what God you even serve. If you cry out to God and you are lonely or in despair or being treated harshly, God sees you. God hears you and God will answer you. And we have to understand that God knows us by name. He's called us to know him and that the promises in the word are true for us too. I want to read just in closing Isaiah 43. Behold now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, he who formed you. 
Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So God knows us by name, and through every issue that we go through, every problem, conflict, and horrible trauma that we're having on earth, God knows us by name, and he walks with us through those times. He might not spare us from going through those times, because life is about faith, and it's about developing our faith. But he does help us get through those times that we can look back and know God was in control and he was with us the entire time. We looked at Galatians 4 last week, but I'm going to go back to Galatians 4 because again, we're going to talk about how Hagar was the slave woman and Sarah was the woman given the promise. And today we are not slaves to sin any longer. We have become free from sinning so that we can live in freedom for God. He took us out of slavery in one regard to put us in to loving the Lord with our whole heart, soul, and mind so that we become a slave to freedom in worshiping God, in knowing God. And that's what Galatians 4 says. Verse 22, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman, and we know who that is, Hagar, and one by a free woman, Sarah. Why is Sarah considered free and Hagar not? Because Hagar was the Egyptian maidservant that Abraham received in Egypt from Pharaoh when he lied to Pharaoh that Sarah was his sister, not his wife. So the slave woman was fee for hire, but Sarah was the real wife of Abraham. But the son of the slave woman, his name is Ishmael, was born according to the flesh. Why according to the flesh? The flesh represents our cravings, our desires. It represents a lack of self-control in our part. We have a lot of cravings of the flesh. They range everywhere from food to sex to emotional instability to even hatred and cussing. There's some people who just love to constantly be in a conflict. And that is a craving of the flesh. There's some people who just love to complain. That is a craving of the flesh. There's others of us who love ice cream or love cookies or love cake. And that becomes a craving of the flesh, especially when we can't control it. And God is saying that we all deal with cravings of slavery cravings that we keep repenting to God that we're guilty over or that we can't get control over but God is also saying in this passage we do not need to stay slaves to those things because we know Jesus so we live in freedom of being able to go through the spirit of God and having a relationship with God the father now, things might not change the minute you pray about it. If you look at the Old Testament and how God worked with his chosen people, 
Things didn't change in a day. God told Abraham at 75, leave and I'm going to make you fruitful with children and give you land. It didn't happen for 25 years. So we have to stop getting angry with ourselves when we keep falling short each day that we pray, Lord, take this alcohol craving away. Lord, take this sugar craving away. Lord, take this sex addiction away. We have to trust the Lord that he's heard us, relax about it, and continue moving on until the day comes that you find healing and peace. Those things should not interfere with your walk with Jesus if you know him, because those problems are his the minute you give it to him. Do you maybe need to go to counseling? Yes. Do you maybe need to go to AA? Yes. Do you maybe need to go to a doctor and get on medication? Yes. Do you maybe need to start studying the Word of God instead? Yes. We don't want to be lazy with our flesh because we're trusting in God. But we do want to be faithful that we serve a God of freedom and He will release us from the sins of the flesh in His perfect timing. And sometimes it's because we just need to keep repenting about that thing because otherwise we might be puffed up with pride in something else. So we even have to trust the Lord for his timing of when he releases us. There are many people who are alcoholics. They have that gene of alcoholism. Okay, And they pray and pray and pray that the desire for alcohol goes away. And maybe in time it goes away, but most likely they'll need to go to an AA meeting the rest of their life. They'll need to be accountable for the rest of their life. My dad was a very heavy drinker. We were raised Italian. Italians are not convicted about drinking. The priests are drinking wine right up there in the mass every weekend. So, you know, and, and during the week. So it's not a it's not a conviction in the Italian culture. And he didn't have a conviction that he had to quit drinking. But every night he would come home for years. I mean, he didn't come to know Christ till his mid-30s. He was close to 40. And he'd come home every night and we had a wet bar and he would pour himself hard alcohol. It wouldn't just be red wine or this. It was hard alcohol. And it was just part of my mom and dad's lifestyle. Well, after my dad came to know Christ, he didn't realize it. Four months later, my mom started putting the alcohol away and she realized that he hadn't had one drink for four months. He didn't realize. She had to say to him, Lee, that's where I get Tony Lee, my grandfather and my dad. Lee, do you realize you haven't had a drink in four months? You haven't had a drink since you gave your life to Jesus? He did not realize that. For some of us, the Spirit of God moves and we are instantly healed. We are instantly in freedom. But you know what? It was something that didn't ever convict my dad. It was nothing he ever repented over. <laughs> God just took it away and he didn't even notice. We look at it. It becomes an idol. We can't help ourselves. We have to keep going. Then we blame God that he's not hearing our prayers. God just works in each of our lives so differently and we really have to learn how not to judge ourselves too. Because when we start judging ourselves, 
then we're not allowing God to move through us freely. And sometimes it's those things we're judging ourselves about that, again, God is keeping us humble about so that he can work through other things in our lives. So let's even trust him for our shortcomings and know that Paul said, the very things I want to do, I can't do because I've got this craving of the flesh that I want to please. But our heart's desire and our prayers are, Lord, hear my prayer, forgive me of these sins, cleanse me from all unrighteousness so that I may be a servant who is worthy to represent Jesus every day of my life. And we will trust God for all of it, including the slave woman Hagar who had to trust God to return back to Sarai, her mean mistress, and then trust God to get through the desert with her son who became a great nation, just like God promised. Amen? Amen. And that's what Galatians 4 is about. If you want to read it, it continues to just say, we are grafted in under freedom because we are under Jesus, who was under Isaac, not under Ishmael, who was under Hagar. And it's just an illustration of before we came to know Christ, living in the slavery of sin versus after coming to know Christ and trusting God for our sin because it's been covered by the blood of Christ and we've been filled with the Holy Spirit to have a relationship with Jesus every day of our lives. So we're going to live by faith like our father Abraham. And next week, we're going to study Lot's wife. Okay, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for teaching us so much through every person in the Bible. And thank you, Father, that you do not just hear the prayers of those who seem chosen and blessed, but you hear all of our prayers. And your ear turns to hear us in our saddest moments and that you're there to rescue us and help us if we just call out to you. So we pray, Lord, that you're always in our thoughts, in our minds, that we continue to pray to you and look to you knowing that you are a God we can trust because you are faithful to all. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching on Hagar as we study the women in the Bible. If you are interested in joining this Zoom Bible study, please contact me through Daily Disciples Facebook page. Thank you for joining Daily Disciples Podcast with Tony Lee Adamson. No more fake, fancy, or fluffy, but real and raw conversations dealing with life and spirituality. For more information, go to dailydisciples.org or connectionsnetwork.tv. And we can't wait to talk to you soon.